have your Bibles. We're going to be in Genesis 41 tonight, but before we do, as promised, we're going to have a discussion about worship. So, um, you know, I find myself, I think, I don't know, you know, my style, my heart. First of all, let me start by saying this. Um, This is just a family discussion, okay? So, we're all family here. We're we're a home crowd uh, on a Wednesday night, and so we're going to have just a a family discussion about worship. So, um, my my style, my heart, kind of the music that I naturally kind of gravitate to is um, kind of upbeat, contemporary Christian um, music. So, you know, pretty much typically what they play on K-Lord, on Air One, love Jeremy Camp, I love David Crowder, um, who else are my favorites? Um, Chris Tomlin and, um, you know, the, 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 the basics, you know, just the, those mainstream. And, and you know, and, and you'll, you'll notice the style of worship we, we kind of employ here on a Sunday morning is going to reflect kind of my passion a little bit. Destiny and I are working together on that. But, you know, ultimately, the, the senior pastor of the church is basically the worship leader. You know, that, that's, that's my role as, as a senior pastor is to incorporate, is to teach, is to set the vision for worship of our church. And I think that, you know, Destiny as our, as our worship leader, she has a big role in that and, 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 and a style and a flavor. But the senior pastor sets the tone. And, you know, if I was a hymns guy, then, you know, we'd be a hymns church, you know, and, and, and that's, that's the way it would be. So one of the things that I, I think I... You know, again, and I and I, I always try to be sensitive to the fact that not everybody enjoys music the way that I do, and so I try to um, mix it up. I try to, you know, try to do fast, slow. I mean, if it was up to me, we would just rock every Sunday, loud. If we would rock, we would, you know. And one one of the things that um, I find myself doing is apologizing for um, our style of worship. And, and, and oftentimes a little um, afraid of how it comes across, you know. And so I, I just wanted to know, like, you know, I want to know that we're doing it right. You know, I, I really just, I, I do. And I, I tell people this all the time, like in, in jest and in, in, in kind of um, argue, arguing, I guess, for lack of a better word. If, if God's the God of, of Islam, then I'll serve him. Like, I don't have a problem. I'm not like... Like, my, my heart is to serve God. So if, if, if we're supposed to do it a different way, and if God, you know, I want to do it the way God wants us to do it. And, and, and yet, we, we see there's so many different opinions and styles, and, and, and you all carry your own experiences into, into our church setting. You carry your own um, um, ideas of what worship is and what worship should be and the, the reverence and the, 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 you know, what we do, what you're comfortable with, some of you. Um, may have come from a, a, a free background and, and raising your hands and standing or whatever is more natural. For some of you, you've never raised your hands in a worship service ever, and the whole idea is foreign. And, um, you know, I realized that. And again, wanting to um, minister to everybody, really. Wanting to love everybody that comes through that door and, and just know that we have those, those, those varying types of, of, of ideas about worship, you know, that, that's, that's our heart. And, and so, like I said, one of the things I, I've been kind of finding myself doing, and maybe just in my own heart, is, is oftentimes apologizing and feeling 
like I have to explain it all the time, the way that, the way that we worship. So you know what we're going gonna to do tonight? I'm going to explain the way that we worship. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm going to do. So, um, but, but I, I do, I do want to say this. It, it's, um, again, where, where, so as far as, as far as music goes, what, what, what is God's favorite type of music? What, what kind of music should the church use to worship God? Anybody have an idea? Any kind, all kinds? Is, is there one that he likes better than the other? No, no we're not sure. So, so what do we do? We, we go to the scripture and we, and we try to find what does the Bible say? What, what did the people of the Bible who got it right, what were they doing? So when you think of a worshiper of God, who, who's the first person that comes to your mind? Think about a worshiper in the Bible. Who, who would be the, the worshiper of God? Very good. That's who I would immediately go to. Why? Because King David wrote 150 songs, which we have, which are called the Psalms. And the Psalms are songs that David composed that were put to music. And David himself was a musician. He was a very talented musician. As you know, when David was young and Samuel would have a distressing spirit that would come, when Saul, I'm sorry, not Samuel, when, when David was young and Saul would have a distressing spirit that would come upon him. There was a boy in his kingdom that was a talented musician because he was a shepherder, a shepherder, a sheep shearer, shepherder. He was a shepherd, and he was out watching his, his parents' flocks 24 hours a day, oftentimes out in the field. And what would he do? Sitting there watching sheep eat grass, he would play his instruments and he would practice. And David became a very talented musician. The word got back to Saul. And when, when Saul called for David at the time, they didn't have the relationship that they later would have. It was in the very beginning. He was just some kid. And David would show up and he would play his stringed instruments and he would play his lute and his harp and his, and his um, lyre and, his, and his, that, that thing with all the strings on it, you know. And, and it, was, it was soothing to um, Saul and the distressing spirits would leave Saul. So you, you think of David and, and, and then you think, so what, what did David do? Now, I, I want to I start by saying this. The, the word worship in the Bible is, um, our English word for it is worship. <laughs> That's it, worship. But like, you know, like when, when we think of in the Greek, for example, the word love. We have the word love. Americans, we love pizza. We love our wives. We love cheese. We love our cats. We, we love life. We love salvation. We love Jesus. It's all the same word. It means all the same thing. We don't love cheese and, and pizza and cats like we do Jesus and our wives and our lives. And, but, but it's one word. The Greeks have three different words for love that, that carry different types of meaning. The Hebrew word for worship, take a wild guess how many Hebrew words there are for the word worship. There's three in the New Testament for love. How many do you think we have in the Bible for worship? Seventy-five. There's seventy-five Hebrew words that different Hebrew words that mean worship and 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 we translate all 75 of them no matter which one is used in the Hebrew we translate it into English worship and so you know part of, part of the idea and part of the thing is like when we study the Bible especially in the Old Testament one of the things we do is we we look at the Jews and we look at the um, the rabbis and and those who you know the the Hebrew scriptures is something that for 5,000 years has been passed from generation to generation of Jewish people. And there's a part 
of Jewish um, understanding of scriptures that we learn so much from. And, and we respect so much that heritage that Jewish people have in understanding the Hebrew scriptures. Well, when you want to study Psalm 23, you know, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It's this Hebrew um, poem and song of, of a shepherd. And so you, you find a Hebrew shepherd and, and he helps you understand the nuances in Psalm 23 and you, you get this thing. So the word worship, so the Hebrew idea for worship is, 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 is vast. Now, first of all, as a believer, the, 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 the reality is in worship, it's everything that we do as Christians. So, you know, in, in, in our statement of faith at Calvary Chapel, it'll reflect that in our statement of, of faith. And so it says that we worship God in song. That's our music. We worship God in fellowship. What do, what do you mean fellowship? Like when I shake people's hands and say hi, and, and yeah, that's, that's fellowship, and it's worship. We, we worship as we study the Word of God. So when I'm, right now, we're worshiping. This is a form of our worship is me teaching the Word of God and teaching. And so we worship in giving. By giving our tithes and offerings, it's a form of worship. And every one of them is a different Hebrew word that means worship that, that we do. When, when, we, when we spend, when we pray, that's a form of worship. So if you look at, at the staple for the church today, it's in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. You should know that. Acts 2, 42, I quote it often. There's four pillars of, of the early church and what they did. And so again, when we're trying to answer these questions like I'm trying to answer tonight, specifically concerned with, I'm, I'm concerned today, and what the topic is today is our music um, worship. Okay, But when, when we look at the worship as a whole in a worship service and we want to do church right again the whole idea the whole heart that we don't care what god's plan for it is we're not trying to fix it or tell god we got a better way to do it we're trying to find out what he wants and do what he wants and so so you say well okay well what what did the early church do that that's a good place to start right that was a church that peter and john and the apostles started and then paul later took over the 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 helm and ran with and and raised up and planted and started and developed churches through um, through the time of Paul's death. So the Bible tells us what the early church did in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. There was four pillars of the, of the early church, right? So in Acts 2, 42, they are, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Number one, everybody say apostles' doctrine. In fellowship, everybody say fellowship. In breaking of bread, everybody say breaking of bread. And prayers, everybody say prayers. So the four staples are the apostles' doctrine. That's the word of God. So that's teaching. That's why we do. We, we teach the word of God, okay? Number two is in fellowship. What? Fellowship? That That's a staple of the church? Is talking, hanging out, fellowshipping, loving on one another? Yeah. The Holy Spirit lays out one of the four you know what's interesting is as we go on here the next one is the breaking of bread y you know what we do when we break bread together we fellowship so the reality is two out of the four staples of of the early church as we lay out church have to do with we worship in fellowship breaking bread we, we can make that specifically about communion and and we break bread together in communion or we can it, it's about sharing a meal together 
So a, a staple of the early church was that they got together and they ate food together. They barbecued. They hung out at each other's houses. And they fellowshiped. But, but each one of these four things here are acts of worship. The apostles, do, the apostles' doctrine. So, so the, the early church, the staple was the doctrine, the word of God. We're teaching it, we're, and that's what we do here. The other one was fellowship. The next one is um, the breaking of bread, and, and then the last one is prayers. And so we, we try to pray. We, we, we tried, we've done some different things here on Wednesday nights to uh, incorporate the, the worship through the act of praying into our service. Okay? So, so those are the... Um, those are all under the category of worship. So now in the, in the part of music, I, I want you guys to turn with me really quickly to 2 Samuel. I'm sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, maybe not. Yeah. Yes, 2 Samuel chapter 6. You know, I think that... Um, I think, I think that God's heart, you guys, and, and here's the point. I'll just get you, give you the point. I'm trying to build it up, okay? But I'll just lay it out for you with, with no more buildup. I, I really believe that God's heart for us in, in our worship is demonstrative. I believe that it's with everything we have. It's with all of our being. I've told you guys this story before, but it's very true. The Hebrews understand this, this concept of worship, and the Bible says that in the Psalms to worship God with every bone of your body. And so today, we're going to go there in a month or so, and several of you guys are going to go with me, and we're going to go to a place called the Western Wall. And when we go to the Western Wall, there will be Jews. They will have phylacteries on their foreheads. They'll have their curls. They'll be in the whole garb. And the Jewish worshipers on Friday night at the Western Wall will be there, and they'll be worshiping God, and they'll be doing this. And we'll look at them like they're crazy. Give that guy the blue pill. He's off his rocker. He's not crazy. He's a normal guy. And he's, he's being obedient, literally, to what the Word of God says, to worship God with every bone of your body. And so he's shaking. He's wiggling his toes in his shoes. And he's literally moving every bone of his body. I don't know how you move your ears. Is there bones in your ears? No. Good. You only got cartilage. You don't got to worry about it. He's, he's moving every bone of his body in obedience to worship God with every bone and everything that he has in his body. You know, and then as, as you look, so, so now back to the where we started. In, in the area of just music, okay, music, do we, do we need to, as a church, apologize because we have a drum set? Are, are we doing it wrong because we have an electric guitar? Are we... Um, are we displeasing to the Lord because we don't have an organ? Because we don't sing hymns? Is, is a hymn the, the, the right way and, and contemporary worship music the wrong way? And again, you guys, please don't get it twisted. If, if you just come and say, hey, Pastor Chris, right here, it says in uh, whatever it is, you know, First Chrysalonians that... We're supposed to use this kind of music, and you can show me. I'll, I'll be happy to do it. We'll change today. You know, I don't, I, that's, not, that's not the point. I don't have a problem with what God's Word says, and when we find it, and we find there's, there's concrete evidence, this is the way God wants it, then, you know, let's do it that way. But I, I do think there's some concrete evidence, and, and in that, me personally, I find not only, not only a tremendous amount of 
um, peace in the way that we worship and the style of music that we use, but a, a tremendous amount of freedom. And, um, and, and to the point where I, I, I want to get to the point where I have to stop apologizing um, for it. And not only, not only that, because I, I think what I'm trying to do, you guys, is not so much, I don't have to apologize to this crowd. That, that's not the point. But I think what I'm trying to do is I, I think I want to take us as a church to, the, to that, that next level. I, I just want us to let down a little bit and just have that heart that, that worship is this. You know, it's, it's every bone in your body. It's something that just comes from your toes, and it just is, it, it's, yeah, and it's so freeing, and it's so, it's so life-changing, and it's so healing, and it's, you know, the process of, of letting God, and you know, you know, one of the things, I don't know why, and it, it might just be me, but you know what I find myself doing so many times during worship? Repenting. <laughs> like, that, that's just, I'm serious, that's just a time where I feel either conviction, and I, as I'm worshiping, and here's the thing, like, you know, you know when Peter came to, when, when Jesus said to Peter, do you love me? And Jesus asked him that, that three times. Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? You know, you know Peter's answer was, you know that I love you. And, and Jesus said, Peter, do you, do you love me? And, 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 and Peter had to be honest. And he knew in his heart there was a hang-up. And he couldn't use the same Hebrew word, the same Greek word that Jesus used, Greek. I, I mean, Agape. He couldn't say, Jesus, I agape you and it be the truth. Because there was this reservation that, that Peter was honest with and he, he, he couldn't say agape. And there was, a, there, was a, there was a difference between the three Greek words and Peter said, I, I, I phileo you. And, and, and so when, when you worship God, I can, I can sit up here and I can say, Jesus, I love you, I love you. And, I, and in my heart, I know that's not true. I'm not living my life that way. Jesus said, if you love me, you, you'll, do what I, you, you'll do what I say. That's, that's the bottom line. Like it or lump it, Jesus said, if you love me, you will, you will do my commandments. And, and what do we do as Christians? We like to follow some of them. We like to pick and choose which ones are, are, are fit our lives. But, but to really do what Jesus says, it, it, re it requires a certain amount of sacrifice. And so when we worship, you know, it, it, sometimes it's difficult to, to just be completely to that point where, where you can say, Jesus, I love you, and you don't have to feel like you're lying, that you mean it, that, that it's true, and that, that it's really from your heart. And in order to get to that point, there's junk in the way in my life. There's sin. There's, there's junk that I just got to, that that's wrong. And, I, and, I, and so I find myself, Lord, I'm sorry. I just, I want to, I want to worship you. I want to get this junk out of the way so that I can feel this, this feeling. I want to experience emotion. I want to, um, I want it to be real. I, I want to. I want to. I want to feel you. I want you to touch me. And and, and so much. So many times during worship, it, it's a process of, of of repenting and and asking for forgiveness and getting things right, so that I can get to that point where I can, I can really just worship in the spirit and truth. Oftentimes, you know, I, I, as I'm just being honest, I'll, I'll pray a prayer and I'll just say, God, just I know there's junk, but. You know that, that I that I focus on when I'm worshiping that I know is kind of bothering me and can can you just give me a few minutes, Lord, just to worship you in spirit and in truth? Can I can I just be set free, Lord, for a few minutes from those thoughts and those things? And Lord, just allow me this song, just just to worship you, God. Just just enter into your presence and and worship you and, and whatever it takes. And it's a process of of working through trying to make. And again, what is the whole point? What did I tell you guys on Sunday? Why did you come to church this morning? The answer to that question, I hope, is to connect with God. 
is to connect with God. Not with me, not with the church, with God. And this is a house of God that, that, that uh, we all, you know, collectively built to, to provide a place where we could get away every once in a while and try to connect with God. Now, connecting with God is something that we need to be doing, right? 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year in our personal lives. But this is a, it should be a sure thing, you know. It should be a, a, the, the place where you can come and, and, and really increase your odds of connecting with God. And so, you know, in that worship, I want to connect with the Lord. So, all right, back to the music. <laughs> um, so we, we're going to look at David, right? Everybody said David. When you think of worship and you think of, of people, you know, the thing is, I think David got it right. You know, I don't know that we always get it right. And, and Calvary Chapel has become um, more and more strict in our, um, in our style of worship. And... You know, what happened with Calvary, I mean, you guys don't know the history of Calvary. Have anybody ever heard of a church or a, a movement called Vineyard? How about Vineyard Music? Vineyard made some amazing worship music for a lot of years. Vineyard Music. Vineyard Music is, um, let me guys ask you this. Again, we're just a family here talking, right? When, when I use the term Pentecostal, does, do you understand what I mean by that? Does, that? does that confuse anybody? In case it does. Let me, let me try to demonstrate what I mean by that so when I use these terms, we can talk. So, um, so if, if you go to a Pentecostal church today, a Pentecostal church, when I use that term, their, their style of worship is going to be, um, and they're going to have, just like anybody, they're going to have different extremes within the Pentecostal church, within that, that, that denomination, okay? So one Pentecostal church I went to, um, they, during the worship, the certain people would have flags that they would run um, uh, and the church was a big church and they would run up and down the aisles and they would wave flags and um, everybody in the church would be like very demonstrative and dancing and you know all this stuff and and speaking in tongues out loud during the church service during the worship song um, there would be sometimes oftentimes some stuff going on people falling over and um you know, very, um, very liberal, very, very demonstrative in the style of, of worship that, that there is in worshiping the Lord in that. Okay, so that, that's what I, sometimes when I, when I and I don't want to, I don't want to unfairly stereotype any Pentecostal church that may not fit into that, but in general, that's what I'm saying when I say Pentecostal style of worship, it's, it's a, it's like, if you bring your friend for the first time, it could be scary because you never know what's going to happen, you know? Sally's going to get slain in the Holy Spirit during the worship, and she's going to crash through a couple rows. And, you know, oftentimes in those churches, the ushers will come by, and, you know, when she's laying on the ground, shaking because the Holy Spirit got a hold of her, that they're going to they're gonna cover up her dress so that the Holy Spirit doesn't show the church her underwear, you know, when he slays her. and um, That's a joke. Because if the Holy Spirit slayed you, I don't so anyways, we, we're not, we're not, not I, don't, I don't think that stuff, some of that stuff is biblical, okay? And we don't do it for Calvary for that reason. Jesus said, or, or the Bible says, Paul says in, in, in dealing with the gifts of the Spirit, he said that, that everything should be done decently and in order. And so that has been the Calvary Chapel mantra from, from the beginning, from the conception in the late 60s, is that as a church movement, Calvary Chapel movement, that, that our services are going to be done decently and in order. And so you'll go to a Pentecostal service, 
the, the, the preacher will be preaching and somebody will stand up and, and, and start speaking a, a word of prophecy in tongues. In tongues. And it's just not biblical. First of all, you, you don't, prophecy is not, it, prophecy is not given in tongues. If you study it, if you read it, it's very clear. When someone speaks in tongues, they're speaking to God, not, not to the, the rest of the church, okay? So when the guy stands up and he speaks in tongues, that's a prophecy that someone else is going gonna, is gonna to stand up and give interpretation, and they're going to say something like, thus saith the Lord to the church. That, that's, that's not from God. It's just not what the Bible teaches. Pro, when, it, when someone speaks in tongues, they speak to God, not, not to men. And whenever you see tongues in the Bible, and Paul specifically does the, the heavy, heavy lifting when it comes to the teaching on tongues, Paul, whenever you see Paul talking about speaking in tongues in the church, Paul discourages it. And whenever you see a, 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 a Paul talking about speaking in tongues in private, Paul encourages it. Paul says, I would that you all speak in tongues. And so if you all, that's all of you, speak in tongues. That's, that's Paul's heart and desire for you is that you speak in tongues. So if you don't speak in tongues, that could be an area of disobedience in your life. So um, this is not a teaching on tongues. So th that's what I mean when I say Pentecostal. It's, it's those that um, are very that. Okay, then, then when I say Baptist, um, some, again, I'm not trying to stereotype all type of Baptists. I'm just trying to give us familiar with some terms that, that, that we, can, we can talk about. So, and then you go into Baptist church. And some Baptist churches, they're the style of church where you have to, you know, the men all wear suits. The women wear long dresses. It's all hymns. It's all out of hymn books. It's very traditional. There, there will be no speaking in tongues. Uh, you know, there will be no running flags up and down the aisle. There will be no lifting of hands and, uh, and that type of thing. And it's, it's very reverent in, in, its, in its appearance towards God. And so those, those are the two extremes, right? So you have a, a styles of worship that you'll see in the church. Now, the, the people that are in the Baptist church and the people that are in the Pentecostal church, are they born-again, spirit-filled believers that are going to go to the same heaven you and I are? Absolutely. They're Christians. They love the same Jesus we love. And, and they, these guys like chocolate, and these guys like vanilla. And I think we're in the middle, like, with strawberry or something like that, you know? And so we, we tease, and we say that Calvary Chapel is kind of Bapticostal. We're not Baptist. We're not Pentecostal. We're, we're somewhere in the middle. So there was a group in Calvary Chapel in the early days, and they felt like Pastor Chuck needed to allow more freedom in the worship service, in the music, in the... In the, in the way that they would sing, and the way that they would worship. And so uh, Pastor Chuck didn't agree with them. And so there was a group that left Calvary Chapel, and, and they had good Bible teaching, and, and they wanted to be more, what's the good word? They wanted to be more outspoken. They wanted to be more um, demonstrative in their worship, okay? And so they left Calvary Chapel, and they started a thing, and it was called the Vineyard. Vineyard was a breakoff from Calvary Chapel. And so Vineyard kind of died out over the years. But, but again, their heart was they wanted to be lean more towards the Pentecostal side of the house than they did the Baptist side of the house. And, and Calvary's always wanted to kind of stay in the middle. So I, I think over the years, um, you know, just with anything, you know, when, when it was just a grassroots movement, it, it could, be, could be just what it was. And you know what, Chuck, Chuck was, was wild in those days. Like, Chuck started with all the guitars and drums and when nobody else was doing it. 
you know, Chuck came out of out of some some conservative churches. And, you know, the funny story is that when the when the Jesus movement happened in the in the, you know, basically what the Jesus movement, the Jesus movement was was worldwide, really, you know, and it really was just a move of God's spirit that, that different places. But in the in the days of the Jesus movement, that it was a lot of hippie music. It was all the hippies from the 60s who were getting a little bit older and coming out of the hippie movement and getting saved. And coming to Jesus, and so the same music that they were listening to, they, they brought it into the church. What? In that church? So the, the, the band, there was a band that just, just got saved, talented musicians, and they called themselves Love Songs. And so Love Songs is, it's just iconic as far as the Jesus, it, it goes hand in hand with the Jesus movement of, of the 70s that Calvary was kind of born out of, that really exploded out of, made the cover of Time magazine. I mean, just a big deal. And so when, when, when Pastor Chuck first met Love Songs, they, they came and they said, hey, we want to play for you. And um, the guys had been Christian for like two weeks. And, and they came in and they, they, they interviewed with Chuck and they, they were wanting to, to play a song for a church service, you know, and they're kind of hippie style music. And Chuck was like, I don't know. And so the guy's like, well, we, we got our guitars. You know, maybe we could play a song for you. So they went out, they got their guitars, they came back in, they played a song for Chuck. And Chuck said, that's awesome. He said, can you guys play um, Friday night at such and such time at this church service? And they said, well, our guitarist, he's in jail, but he gets out um, on, on this time. And so the guy got out of jail in order to make the show. And, and this was one of the worship teams that Chuck brought in in the beginning. So Chuck, Chuck was doing things, even in his day, right, that were totally radical. And, and, and again, imagine if you were somewhere in the, in the Baptist side of the house, in in 73 and you're looking over across the street at what chuck smith is doing at calvary chapel you're going this guy is off his rocker he is crazy this is the devil you know and so so that kind of same attitude prevails right and i think what happened was you know when it was grassroots it was grassroots and then when when it started to grow which which is going to happen is you know there had to be more rules you got more people you got more stuff you got stuff you got to deal with and then it got to the point where you know, and most Calvary chapels, big Calvary chapels, you, you have no freedom to stand or sit as you wish. It, it's done as a congregation. When the congregation sits, everybody sits. When the congregation stands, then that's your opportunity to stand. If you stand while everybody else is sitting, the ushers will come up and tell you to sit down or leave. And, you know, it just, it just a lot of rules develop. And, and, and some of those for good reason, you know, because one of the things that happens, one of the dangers of the, the demonstrative style of worship is people do it to draw undue attention to themselves. And that's not a move of God's spirit. That's not, God's spirit is not in that. That is something that Calvary had to guard for. And so then what would happen would be, there would be this woman always in the same row sitting and she'd come and she'd sit in the front row of the church service. And when everybody else was sitting and she's single and she wants attention and she's got a spaghetti strap top on and she stands up in the in the middle when everybody else is sitting down she starts going like this oh jesus <laughs> you know like sit down you know and, and that's what happened they, they said hey you know sit down you're you're drawing undue attention to yourself you're, you're making it so that the people can't um worship they can't you know you're you're, you're drawing attention to yourself so that is a, a definite um concern that needs to be addressed in in the way that we worship you know and as you guys know, like on, on Sunday morning, you know, for the most part, we, you know, I sit up here, so I don't see, but I know from time to time, um, I stood during a, sit, a, sit, a sitting, seated, 
my word, sitted. During a sitted song, um, there's a gentleman over here who stood first, and then, and then I stood. And I think as a church, most of us stood for that song right before the end. But as one person is standing and everybody else is sitting, yeah, sometimes it, it can change your focus a little bit, right? And hopefully we can, if it's done decently and in order, and that person is worshiping the Lord and not doing it to draw attention to themselves, we're, we, we have the freedom to allow that, okay? So that's, that, that's where it is and, and, and why I would have certain rules. And, and, and then, you know, but, but so rather than throw the baby out with the bathwater and just allow people to worship the way that, that they connect with God, we set rules that everybody abides by. So we don't have those. Hopefully we never have to, to develop those. As we grow, you'll never know what's going to happen and with those types of issues that we have to, those bridges we have to cross, okay? But, um, and I think that rather than just dealing, because it got to the point where you couldn't deal with all the individuals, you know, you had to just make a blanket rule. But a better situation is, you know, if, if and there's certain ones that God has given discernment to, certain leadership in the church, that if, if there's a discernment that this particular person is not, Worshiping, but they're they're doing something that is intended to draw attention to themselves during a worship service, then they definitely have to be dealt with. Okay, and that's that's not the heart that we want to do. All right, so we keep saying we're going to get to David. So, back to our music. Um, what kind of music does God like? What what kind of music is God's heart? And so I want to share with you guys this story, and you you hopefully you know it well. But I'm going to start in chapter six, um, in verse twelve. And now it was told King David, saying, The Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all the belongings to him because the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with gladness. And so it was when those bearing the ark of the Lord had gone six paces that he sacrificed oxen and fatted sheep. And David danced before the Lord with all his might. And David was wearing a linen ephod. So this is a picture of true worship from King David, who we all agreed that if we want to know how and what is a real heart of worship, that, that we should look at King David. King David is a guy who was a musician, as we pointed out. He was somebody, I think, that understood the idea of 75 different Hebrew words to mean worship, that David got it. Not, not only did David get it, but God uses David um, biblically to teach the rest of us. David is the right example. David had such an ability from God and from the Holy Spirit to articulate and to write exactly what he was thinking. I mean, this stuff would flow out of David's heart. Like, you know, like it would flow out of the dude's heart. As a deer pants for water, oh, does my soul pant for you, oh Lord. Like, where does that come from? I mean, this kind of stuff, it just comes from devotion that, that David had in worship. And he was, an, he was a musician. He was a songwriter. He was a lover. He was a man. What does David call, what does God call David? A man after what? A man after God's own heart. He was a guy that was a man after God's own heart. And so, you, you know what happened? David um, tried to bring the Ark of the Covenant back to Israel, and he did it the wrong way. He followed a plan that the that the Philistines used to move the ark, and they put it on a new cart, and they 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 they, they made you know this cart that they placed it on, and they pulled it, and and the cart began to stumble, and Uzzah reached out his hand to steady the ark of 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 God, and as soon as he touched it, God struck him dead. 
David's heart was broken, and he repented, and he, he, he just, the whole thing just stunk from that point on, and he just said, I'll go put it in the house of Obed-Edom, and leave it alone, and didn't do it, just left that day, and so now he's going to go back. God's already spoken to his heart. God, God laid out the way we were supposed to move the Ark of the Covenant. And, and, it, and it was crazy. Six steps. He had to move this thing from Philistine country to Israel. And God said, every six steps you should stop and sacrifice an, an oxen and worship before the Lord. Dude. And what did David do? It says in verse 13. It says, and so it was when, when those bearing the ark of the Lord had gone six paces that he sacrificed an oxen and fat his sheep. And so David is there and he's worshiping and he's bringing the ark of the covenant back to the house of Israel. Verse 14, it says, David danced before the Lord with all his might. With all his might. David danced before the Lord with all his might. And David was wearing a linen ephod. What's a linen ephod? That's his underwear. He was in his wife beater and his boxers. Dancing before the Lord. And, 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 and here's the point for King David. He was the king of Israel. And you see our president and wife beater and boxers going down the street worshiping the Lord. And David's wife, Michael, she's, she's looking through the window and she sees her husband and she's so indignified. This is a king. No crown on his head. No robe, no rings, no entourage, broken before the Lord, dancing, dancing in his, in his linen ephod before the Lord. And as David danced before the Lord in his linen ephod, worshiping God, and then it goes on and it says, So David and all the house of Israel brought the ark of the Lord with, you guys with me? Chapter 6, verse 15. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with what? Shouting. What? Shouting? No, that's irreverent to shout. We have to be quiet. We have to be quiet. We have to hold our hands like this. That's even better if we look like we're stepping on lemons. <laughs> that, that really makes us Christian. No, man. These guys were shouting. This was the Ark of the Covenant that David was bringing back to the house of Israel. He was doing it the right way. It was spontaneous. It was real. It was true. On that moment, David could say, yes, Lord, I love you. He didn't say, I like you. He said, I love you. And he's dancing before the Lord in a linen ephod, and they're shouting. Verse 15, we're in verse 15. And with the sound of what? The trumpet. They're blowing the trumpet. Okay, we definitely need a trumpet in our worship. So if you're a trumpet player... Bring it on. We're going to sign you up. Okay? So they're, they're blowing the trumpet. And now as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michael, Saul's daughter, looked through a window and saw King David. Saw King David doing what in verse 16? Leaping and whirling before the Lord. Leaping and whirling. So now we have this description of King David. He's shouting. He's dancing. He's leaping. He's whirling. Just worship. This is a guy who understands the heart of worship the Lord with every bone of your body, with every fiber of your being. He understands that there's 75 different examples and styles and things that we do to worship God. And he's worshiping the Lord 
and, and he's dancing and he's leaping and he's shouting. And it says in the bottom of 16, and she despised him in her heart. So they brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place in the midst of the tabernacle. And David had erected it. And then David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And when David had finished offering burnt offerings and peace offerings and blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts, then he distributed among all the people, among the whole multitude of Israel, both the women and the men, to everyone, a loaf of bread. So what did they do? They worshiped how? Loaf of bread. They broke bread together. And a piece of meat and a cake and raisins. And all the people departed, everyone to his house. And then, re- and then David returned to bless his household. And Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, How glorious was the king of Israel today, uncovering himself today in the eyes of all the maids and of his servants, and as one of the base fellows shamely uncovers himself. And so David said to Michael, listen, verse 21. What was it? It was what? It was before the Lord. Oh, come on, preach it, people. It was before the Lord. It was before the Lord, David said. Oh, Michael, it was before the Lord. It was before the Lord that I danced and I shouted and I twirled and I, and I just used every emotion in my body to worship God. It was before the Lord who chose me instead of your father and all his house to appoint me ruler over this people and of the Lord over Israel. Therefore, I'll preach it, people. What does it say in verse 21 on the bottom? Therefore, I will do what? I will do what? Okay, so music. David said, I will play music before the Lord. I'm, I'm done apologizing, people. I'm serious. It is biblical. It is, it is what God prescribed for us to worship is music. I will play music before the Lord. And, and, and that's what Dave said. He said, look, it's before the Lord that I did it, Michael. And, and I will play music before the Lord. And I will be even more undignified than this. But listen, not only undignified, so just undignified. Un, 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 not dignified. Nowhere in the Bible does it say, don't let anybody around you know that you're worshiping the Lord. Make sure that it's private and that nobody could tell you're experiencing any kind of joy. Nowhere. It doesn't say that. And what did David say when Michael challenged him on this very thought? This makes me nothing yet. I will be even more undignified. 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 Dignified. Are we getting that? So David, you know, he sets the example for us. And David Crowder, you guys ever heard the song? Now maybe it makes a little bit more sense. What does David Crowder sing about? I will be undignified as a song that he wrote right out of this chapter. David Crowder did. And a song about being undignified before the Lord. Comes from what King David told his wife. Michael, I will be even more undignified. Because, because again, it's before the Lord that I dance. And I will be even more undignified in this and, and will be humble in my own sight. But as for the maidservants of whom you have spoken by them, I will be held in honor. Therefore, Michael, the daughter of Saul, had no children to the day of her death. So that was the end of her, not part of the story. Um, so, so, all right. So 
I didn't really answer the question yet about song choice, right? We, we, we have kind of style a little bit, undignified, shouting, um, twirling, dancing, but, but really as far as the idea of, of, of song choice, what, what, what is, you know, what, what does the Bible say about that? So you guys know what my proof text is, right? Someone else besides my wife know what my, what it is? She already told you. Come on. It's what? It's what? It's the one you need to know. So when people question you, you can take them here and you could ask them to read it and just, just help to help you understand what it means if it doesn't mean this. Psalm 150. It's the last psalm in 150 psalms. So go to Psalm 150 and, and just read what it says about the idea of worship and praise. It says, so David already said, I will play what? Mu I will play music. Okay, so in the idea of music, let all things praise the Lord. Psalm 150, let all things praise the Lord. You know what that's talking about all things? That's not talking about all human beings. That's talking about trees and rocks and oceans and dirt and buildings and let everything, let all things praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty firmament. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. The Bible says in Psalms earlier, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. So let our praise be greatly. Let our praise be done in greatness and greatly. And then it says, verse number three, Praise him with the sound. And now we're talking about playing music and sound. Praise him with the sound of the? Praise him with the? Flute and harp. Praise him with the? Timbrel and what? And what? What? No, hold on. That's wrong, right? Let's cross that out. Let's just take a, just take a black sharpie and just cross that out. God certainly wouldn't have us undignified dancing before the Lord. Or would he? Or would he? I mean, what did David do? David danced before the Lord, undignified, twirling and shouting. And, you know, and, and, and am, I, am I telling you guys when you show up Sunday that he's going to be on like Donkey Kong and we're going we're gonna to be twirling and dancing probably not right probably not um but but again i, I just I, I want i want us to develop a, a a culture of 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 worship that is free that is real that is heartfelt um that is is done with with you know with with the purpose of of connecting to god worship with with the idea with the heart connecting to god and so, you know, it is kind of funny because we have, I think, kind of come a long way, the church. And, and again, you know, the history of the church, the thousand-year history of the church, is that the music over the last thousand years has changed a lot. And every time the music in the church changes, it comes with a lot of um, opposition, right? Tons of opposition. To this day, every time... You know, we're and and recently, you know, thankfully, I'm I'm on the other side of it, but I think the generation before me, so maybe my father's generation, they lived through the hymns to contemporary music shift. Okay, 
I didn't live through it. I was, I was, when I got saved, it was contemporary. It was pretty much already, the church at Calvary had already gone full contemporary Christian music. We'd still put in some hymns from time to time. But, so I didn't ever live through that shift, but there was a shift. Before the shift to hymns, there, there was the organ um, worship, and everything was done only with an organ. And the organ was the only anointed, holy instrument in the church. But as you follow the history of the church, now if you go back, guess what happened? Guess what the organ was at one point? It was controversial. It was, oh no, I can't believe you brought that instrument into the house of God. And, and somebody did it. And over time, it became, and it wasn't always, but it became traditional and accepted. And then, um, you know, and then we have these transitions in music and music and music and music, right? And at every, at every turn, there's opposition. And again, there's those who say, to this day, many of our neighbors, that, that, that our worship is um, disrespectful, that it's irreverent, that it's, um, and not only among our neighbors, but just among, in general, you can, you can get that. How, how many, I know Matt went, a couple of us went um, to Levi Lesko. Who else went? Anybody else in here go? Um, they're like the next evolution, you know, and, but it was great. And at first, even for me, who, who loves it, and I think I'm kind of like on that side, and the very beginning, I mean, the, the guy is like, it was like a rock concert, and it's worship. And he's jumping, and he's, you know, and it was like, at first it took me a minute, you know, and I'm like, Oh, man, you know, but I tell you what, by the time the experience was done, I, I think they did a really good job of accomplishing worship. And so um, so, so as we get to those changes, we, we face opposition, right? And they always have. But unless that opposition is biblical, I don't want to entertain it. Okay, and that's my point today, that, that unless um, there is a prescription in the Bible that we're not following and you come and you say, Pastor, hey, this is the prescription the Bible lays out for us to worship God, um, that that's what we're going to start doing, okay? But right now, the prescription that I'm laying out, that I'm seeing, is that in song, that there is changes, and that's okay, all right? Last point, then we'll, we'll, be, uh, we'll be done with this little quick side note. Um, all right, so, so, so let's, so if you guys have, by the way, you guys need to know how to do this really quick, easy Bible study tool. Um, Blue Letter Bible. Does everybody have it? It's an app that you download. Okay, if if you have an Android phone, um, take it to the store, whatever provider you use, and trade it in for for an Apple product tomorrow. Um, so if you have an iPhone, I think you can do it on Android too. Unfortunately, I'm sure. I think you can do it on Android and all this stuff. They all anywhere you download apps, you can do it. Okay, but it, it's BLB Blue Letter Bible. It's free. The same program that's comprehensive is called Logos, and it starts somewhere around $2,500, okay? So, so BLB will do a ton of the same stuff for free. So um, th there's an easy tool on here. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a called a concordance, okay? So you, you type in any word or any phrase of words that you're looking for in the Bible, and then you hit search. You can look just in the old, just in the new. You can look just in the book of Revelation if you're looking for a certain context within the book of Revelation. And it'll bring up everywhere in the book of Revelation that has that word you're looking for. Okay? So I typed in song and, and just searched the whole Bible. 
So we're because we're talking about music, and we're trying to find out what kind of music and and what is the music that's acceptable, that's godly, that's um, that's approved. Okay, and so just and I, I refined that search a little bit to um, Psalms and and new songs. So just as I go through Psalm thirty three verse three. Sing to him a, and the, the, what I want you guys to say is new song. Say that with me, new song. This is what the Bible says, Psalm 33, verse 3. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully with a shout of joy. So when we play our instruments, there's, there's instruction to play skillfully. And so we do. We have musicians that practice, and, and they work hard at their craft, and playing skillfully um, on the guitar and notes. And, you know, I encourage James. You guys know James is our, our, our electric guitar player, and James is... You know, he, he's a humble guy, and he's shy, and he's happy being over to the side. And, you know, there's certain contemporary Christian music songs that have a little guitar lick in them, you know, a little... And I'm, I'm trying to get him out of his comfort zone a little bit and push him, like, yeah, dude, like, rock. You can even bang your head when you do it. It's okay, you know, like, just go for it. Let loose a little bit. But skillfully play. Okay, Psalm 40. He has put a new song in my mouth. Praise to our God, many will see and fear and will trust the Lord. Psalm 96. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Psalm 98. A psalm. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand, his holy arm hath gained him the victory. Psalm 144. I will sing a new song to you, O God. On a harp of ten strings, I will sing praises to you. Psalm 149. Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. His praise in the assembly of saints. Isaiah 42. Sing to the Lord a new song. His praise from the ends of the earth. You will go down to the sea and all that is in it, your coastlands, and inhabit them. Revelation chapter 5, verse 9. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and open the seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. Revelation chapter 14. And they sang as it were a new song before the throne, before the four living creatures and the elders. And no one could learn that song except the 144,000 who were redeemed from the earth. So what, what is the pattern of songs that, 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 that is happening through the, the Psalms and Isaiah all the way through till after you and I are gone in the book of Revelation? A new song. So what's the problem? Singing a new song. Goodness. <laughs> you know, like, we, it's a new song. It's okay. The Bible says sing a new song, sing a new song, sing a new song. And what have we done over the years in the history of the church? We sang new songs. It's okay. We've changed instruments. We've, we sang new songs. We've sang new songs. We've sang new songs. God gives new songs. And we sing them. And, and God doesn't care if we sing the new song or the old song. He doesn't. He's not interested in, in, in what the, the words are in the song and the, as much as much as he's interested in us connecting with him, in us worshiping him in spirit and in truth. Jesus talks about this, you guys. Now, I, the only example I haven't given yet is Jesus himself, other than the one in Revelation. That's Jesus talking. But Jesus himself, this is what he said concerning worship. He said, the Father searches. Father searches. So that means God, the Father, is like cruising around. And Jesus said he's looking for those 
to worship him in spirit and in truth. That's what Jesus said. So Jesus didn't say, the Father is searching for those who worship him with the organ. Those who worship him with the right song. Those who worship him with the right instrument. Those who worship him in the right key, in the right note. Those who worship him with their hands raised, with their hands down, with their hands folded, standing, sitting, running with flags. He doesn't care. He said he's looking for those who worship him in spirit and in truth. And, and, and that, that's just our heart, you guys. That, that's our desire. That's my passion here as a pastor. Um, I, I'm not always going to accomplish that well, um, but it's always going to be my heart. It's always going to be our desire. I'm always going to be pushing the envelope a little bit. I'm asking you guys to push the envelope a little bit. The other thing is this. Um, a, 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 a vision that we have to have as a ministry, okay, is that we have to reach young people. I'm getting old. I, I got a haircut today, and I told my wife, she's standing home. She's like, well, more in the back. <laughs> but it's true. My hair is getting thinner, especially in the back. I'm receding a little bit. Rogaine? <laughs> Rogaine? Where, where am I going with this, you know? So... We, we, we just we have to reach we have to reach young people you guys and that's not an affront to anybody in our church any age group um, a healthy church has babies and old people okay and everything in between we love grandpa by the way grandpa's in the hospital tonight we need to be praying for him so when I when I close do not let me forget we're going to lift grandpa up for prayer um, they took him into the, admitted him to the hospital tonight with his heart and that's where his issues have been in his heart but from grandpa who, who just makes our church you know special as our church grandpa to to our babies you know to charlie and, and the newborn babies and everything in between and and that's a healthy church but a dead church and a church with no future is a church that that doesn't reach young people it's a church that doesn't you know provide something you know and, and again as we sit as we sit in a group you know uh, ben was here tonight did ben go into youth group ben's getting ready to go to bible college so he's leaving youth group he's at that point in his life He's leaving youth group, and he's, and he's coming into big church with us, okay? And then um, Carl has been in, in adult church for a long time, right? And he's very seasoned, and he has a certain thing that he likes. So, so as a ministry, you know, and the reality is if you put Carl and Ben in the car together and they got a ride, and you give Ben control of the radio, there's going to be certain songs that are going to be played, right? And we can all agree they're going to be different, Carl, right, than the ones that you're going to choose right? Okay, so are, are Carl's songs right and Ben's wrong? Are Ben's songs right and Carl's wrong? No, it don't matter, right? It's preference, right? We, we, we got a certain style we listen to, we like, um, you know, they're, gonna, they're going to vary, but they are. But if we cater church to only the type of thing that, that pleases Carl's demographic, we're going to miss Ben, right? And Ben's going to get bored. And not to say, okay, yeah, we got to only think about the young people. That's not the point either. But definitely, people, I'm telling you, I'm telling you from experience, you got to be with me on this. This is vision for our church. We got to reach young people. We got to stay fresh. We got to stay, we got to stay, we got to be willing to do a new song. Okay? And that, that's the direction we're going to go. And, I, and that's, that's something that's not going to change. The, 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 
the heart of keeping things um, doctrinally sound, keeping the Word of God on the forefront, that'll never change either. You know, we're never going to water the Word of God down so we can we can keep Ben in his seat. You know, we're going to preach the Word of God. We're going to preach Jesus. We're going to tell you that if you have sin, you need to repent or you're going to go to hell. We're going to tell you that Jesus loves you unconditionally whether you come to church or go to the bar. They're all true. And, and we're and we're and we're going to we're going to we're going to, you know, we're going to keep the the main thing the main thing. But when it comes to and, and these things, you guys in, in church and the way that Jesus describes them. We talked about it a little bit a couple weeks ago where, you know, Jesus said you don't put old wine into new wineskins because, or you don't put new wine into old wineskins because when it ferments, it'll burst the old wineskins. That, that, and Jesus said these words, behold, I do a new thing. Jesus said that you and me were fishers of men, okay? So if you guys go down here to the, the uh, reservoir up there in Settlement Canyon and you fish all day with lures and you don't catch any fish, smart fisherman does what? Try the worm. Okay? It's a lure. You're still fishing. Still catching fish. Still got a pole. It's a reel. But did you change the lure? And, and aesthetically, in a ministry, I think in a church, we can change lures. We can change lures. These stupid lights. Okay? I'm trying, you know, we had a little kind of humble building here, you know? I, I've seen what some of these churches look like, and I wish, you know, maybe God will give us one one day, but, you know, we're trying to do little things to, you know, make it aesthetically pleasing, to, 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 to those are lure type of things that we're going to change, you know? I mean, Calvary chapels, and I mean, big Calvary chapels, you know, fog machines, lasers, I'm not kidding, like, which, you know, again, we're not talking about the, the doctrine, the theology behind that stuff, you know, and people get into these talks about, you know, trying too much to please somebody's flesh and mystery spirit. Not the talk. Not, not, not today. Today's talk is about our part in our style of worship, okay? And, and, and again, not, not wanting to, not needing to ever again to this group apologize for our style of worship, our heart of worship, our, 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 the way we do worship. And, and again, if you guys have something that's, you know, a concern, is, is different, is a, you know, come talk to me. We'll, we'll shape and we'll form it together as, as we move forward. And um, with the heart, with the heart of providing a way for you and I, when we, when we come into this house, that we'll connect with God. That's my heart for you, people. It really is. I, I want you to connect with God in this house. I want you to connect in, <coughs> in, the, in, in the style of worship. And, and I realize, again, you guys, that's, that's going to... Um, that's not, again, like, like we talked about with, you know, young people, and, you know, people of different generations have different music styles. We're, we're going to vary a little bit in, in, in what we like. You know, I have a certain genre of music that, you know, is, is just kind of my niche. You know, I like reggae music. And that's just my thing. Like, if I have a choice and I'm scrolling through my iPad and my iPod and trying to pick a song, I mean, nine times out of ten, it's just where I end up, you know. And so thankfully there's some cool Christian reggae bands and, um, some stuff that I, you know, that I can listen to, but that's, you know, but that, that other people are not going to feel that way, you know, some people are going to be country, and that's great, some people are going to be rock, it's going to be this, it's going to be that, so I realize that, you know, we're not going to necessarily fit into everybody's, everybody's back pocket, but, um, but our heart, a couple things, provide
providing that, that environment where we as a, as a church can come and freely just worship the Lord. Amen? And then secondly, that, that we as a church have a heart that, that we're here to reach people for Christ. And that's, that's church-wide. That, that, that because two of the, of the four pillars of our worship have to do with fellowship, breaking of bread and fellowshipping, that, that's something that you guys do across the aisle. You know, and, and, and loving people and just and, and, and doing really the, the basic, you know what the basic fundamentals of Christianity are? Basic, basic, basic fundamentals of Christianity. We argue about doctrine and can you get saved, once saved, always saved, can you lose your salvation, are you predestined, or are you, you know, we argue about all this stuff, and, and, and nine and a half times out of ten, the people that argue about all this stuff have missed the very basic tenets of Christianity. Greatest commandment. Everybody knows what the greatest commandment is, right? When they came to Jesus and they said, what is the greatest commandment? Jesus says, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. How many of you guys have mastered that basic tenet of Christianity? Raise your hand. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. My hand's not raised either. Okay? The second basic tenet of Christianity is to love your neighbor as yourself. How many of you guys have mastered the skill of love your neighbor as yourself? And yet, you know, we, we, we argue about doctrine and, and theology and worship styles. And, you know, we, we can't even get the basic tenets of Christianity. You know, what, it, what, it, what does the Bible say is, is, is pure and undefiled religion? Know the Bible like the back of your hand? Bible does say, study to show thyself approved a workman who need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of God. Preach the word, know the word, in season, out of season. But it's not what pure and undefiled religion is. It's a commandment is of Christians who love Jesus, and as you love and, and grow in your relationship with Jesus, those are things that he's going to put in your life. But pure and undefiled religion is to take care of widows and orphans and homeless. That, that's what James says, pure and undefiled religion is, is to take care of orphans and widows. Feed the hungry. You know, those, those, those basic tenets of Christianity. Okay? So, um, with that, let's worship.